God bless you, church. God bless you, church. Did you have your coffee today? Mm. Some of you are asleep. Before the children go, um, Sandy, um, is Eddie here this morning? Yes, Eddie, can you come up here, please? We're going to have Eddie pray for the children as they are dismissed this morning. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for these children, dear Lord. Father, we ask that you open up their hearts, dear Lord, their minds, dear Lord, so they can take in your words, dear Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your teachers that are out there that are teaching you, dear Lord. Father, we just stop. Ask you, Lord, that the Lord the content of the mouth are your words, dear Lord. And those more penetrate the children's hearts, dear Lord. Father, we just thank you this for the opportunity to give us, dear Lord, to be able to just teach them your words, dear Lord. Father, you ask us to be like child, dear Lord, and we are going to be like child, dear Lord, to teach them what you want us to do, dear Lord. Father, we thank you, dear Lord, and we praise you, dear Lord, in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Children are dismissed at this time. I think that's the happiest child on the planet, for sure, for sure. Amen. The children are out of the building. So, as promised, I want to share with you a message today on Thanksgiving. Most of you were kind of expecting that last week, and I, if you remember correctly, I was, I was, I made the announcement that I was. I was actually betwixt and between. I was struggling with whether I wanted to deliver the traditional Thanksgiving message last week, but I actually wanted to get through the sermon series that we started a number of weeks back on the importance of the Word of God. But today we are going to talk about the purpose or the role of Thanksgiving in the heart of a child of God. How many know that Thanksgiving plays a major role in the life of a believer. Turn with me, if you will, your Bible, in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to read just a few verses. It is on your screen. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. When you have it, say amen, please. Just going to give a few moments for those of you who are still looking for the passage. Thanksgiving plays a key role in the heart of a believer. Those are some of the things that we're going to talk about here this morning. Just a few more moments. I want to give you an opportunity to find a passage. Today we are like the Bereans in here. We're going to make sure that what comes out of the pastor's mouth is found in the pages of the Word of God. Amen. If you have a Bible, please open it up. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7 reads as follows. <clears throat> it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I would say rejoice. Let your gentleness, or if you have a King James Version, 
Let your moderation, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be, act, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank God for His Word. Thanksgiving, did you know that Thanksgiving has always played a key role um, in, in terms of God's intention for His people? Thanksgiving plays a key role in our lives. In fact, it operates within us in many different ways. Think of these points that I have before you on the screen. Number one, Thanksgiving for me personally, it resulted in a living faith. I remember the first time when I heard the Word of God preached to me. Most of you know my story. The first time I heard the Word of God, I mean really, really, really preached. When I was really paying attention, when I really wanted to hear what God had to say to me, it gave birth to a living faith on the inside of me. But at first... It was preceded by a gratitude in my heart for God. It preceded with a gratitude in my heart for the things that I believed about God at the time. That thanksgiving in my heart resulted in a faith that made an ultimate difference in my life. Secondly, it enables us to affirm our faith daily. I don't know about you, but when I wake up in the morning and I think about Jesus Christ, my heart is filled with thanksgiving. My heart is filled with a gratitude for my God. My heart is filled with a gratitude toward Him because of what I know He's making available to me. How many appreciate God this morning? How many really appreciate God this morning. Listen, I got up this morning with a gratitude in my heart, and it resulted in affirming my faith in Him. Thirdly, it enables us to love God for the people that He places in our lives. These are not necessarily points of the passage. These are just preliminary things. But I'm thankful today for the people that God has placed in my life Everyone in my life plays a key role. Absolutely everybody, especially my wife. She plays the biggest role in my life. And I love her dearly for that. And I appreciate and I know God's purpose in her life for me. I, I absolutely know it. I also, I also appreciate God this morning for the role of the leadership of this church. Because they play a key role in my life. As well as in the existence of this church. Here this morning. But consider, consider the heart of an, un, of an unthankful soul for a moment, if you will. Nothing is worthwhile. Everything is taken for granted. Everyone has an ulterior motive and God is never looking out for them. When thanksgiving is not present in our hearts, our perspective is not what it ought to be. In fact, our perspective would never be what it ought to be if we do not have thanksgiving in our hearts. Thanksgiving is, is it, it plays such a vital, it's such a vital component in our hearts. I dare to say that without it, there can be no salvation. I thought about that for a while. 
But again, as I said to you already, Thanksgiving resulted in my salvation in 1989. Because when I heard the Word of God for the very first time, uh, there was a gratitude in my heart for the things of God. The things that I was listening to. The things that somebody revealed to me. It was a Colombian in my cell. A young Colombian. He was caught up in a lot of racketeering. He was caught with a lot of kilos of cocaine. And they placed him in my cell on the same cell block, obviously, in Greaterford Penitentiary, 1989. That young man was filled with the Spirit of God. That young man was armed and dangerous. He knew the Word of God. His heart was transformed. His life, it, it just, gratitude was oozing out of every pore in his body. And every time I entered the cell, he, he, I mean, I was confronted by the smile that he possessed. And it was contagious. And it revolutionized my life. The words that he had to say meant the world to me. And I wanted to hear what he had to say because it clearly was making a difference in his life. Look at your Bible. Look at verse 4. What I want to do is I want to go through these verses briefly. And then I want to share a few points concerning Thanksgiving in the end. But let's consider these passages for a moment. Um, in fact, let me back up just a little bit because I want to share a verse with you. In Psalms 50, verse 23, it reads, Whoever offers the sacrifice of thanksgiving glorifies me. Think about that for a moment. Whoever offers the sacrifice of thanksgiving glorifies me. Is it possible at all to acknowledge God's existence in our lives as individuals? Or is it possible to acknowledge God's existence in our lives as a corporate body of believers without thanksgiving in our hearts, without that, that, that meaningful gratitude that we ought to be displaying to God? Is it possible? Is it possible for you and I this morning to engage in an active faith, a living faith, or to truly appreciate God's presence here among us here this morning without thanksgiving in our hearts? Thank, thanksgiving is just, it, it's not just a date on our calendar. It's a principle. It is a, a fruit, if you will. It's a substance that should be present in the heart of every believer. Thanksgiving affords us a personal and intimate relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Without thanksgiving in the heart of believers, we are just simply going through the motions. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to go through the motions this morning. What is worship like without thanksgiving? Try it, try it one day. You will find an emptiness. Verse number 4 says, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, Amen. Amen. Let's try that again. Let's try that again. You know, I like participation, church. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, this one particular verse, it speaks to our position in Christ or our identity in the Lord Himself. There's an emphasis that Paul the Apostle is placing on this one particular verse. And it's worth noting at this particular juncture. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, Rejoice. There's an emphasis. Every believer should be filled with this joy. And it's not a momentary thing. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Galatians chapter 5. Joy is 
should be prominent, should be exude, should be exhibited or on display in the life of every believer. Because it makes a difference in our lives when joy is in fact presence, present in our lives. Consider this. It speaks to our identity in Christ. Think about the liberty that we have in the Lord, in the Lord today. Think about the freedom that we have in the Lord today. Think about the fact that over 2,000 years ago, God man, God man, God manifested in the flesh, died on the cross for your sins and mine. I believe, without a doubt, it's debatable, but I believe without a doubt that when Jesus Christ hung on that cross, He shed every drop of blood in His body. I just believe it. I just believe it. Not that it was necessary, because just one drop would have been sufficient. Just one drop would have been sufficient. But I believe He shed His blood on the cross for our sins. To make it possible so that you and I today can have the salvation that we have today. How many saved in the house today? Let me see your hands. Don't be scared. Come on, let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. It's a beautiful thing to be saved, isn't it? How many cherish it? How many, how many cherish it? I mean, truly, truly cherish the fact that you are saved here this morning. There's absolutely nothing. Amen. I got one. I got Zoe in the back. There's nothing more glorious than being saved. Nothing more glorious than knowing Jesus Christ personally. I don't care how much money you have in the bank or how many toys you have. Nothing compares with this wonderful joy of knowing Jesus Christ personally. Paul the Apostle recognized that. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. There's an emphasis there. And it was necessary for him to do that. The word, the Greek word here in this passage for rejoice is Cairo. Cairo. There's a church organization called Cairo, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. This word Cairo is actually a verb. And it means to be glad, to be well, to thrive. To thrive. And in this context, it refers to the gratitude that only that could only be possible flowing from the heart of a regenerated soul. Only you and I who know Jesus are capable of truly rejoicing this side of heaven. But I know you know that. Look at verse number 5. It says, let your gentleness, or let your moderation... Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. This particular verse or this clause of this particular verse, it speaks to our purpose in Christ or our commissioning. Paul the Apostle said, let your gentleness be known to all men. What's the point? What's he saying? The classic verse for this is Mark 16, verse 15. We, we cited this verse a couple weeks back. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Let your gentleness be known to all men. In other words, you have something that everyone outside of the fold needs to have, needs to be acquainted with. We have a precious, precious thing within us called salvation. That's rooted and grounded in the substance of the Word of God. In the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. You and I have a gift that we should be sharing with the entire world. You come in contact with somebody today, 
Somebody today, let your gentleness be known unto that one individual. The context here is reveal freely what has been given to you in Christ Jesus. That's what Paul the Apostle is saying. Share Jesus with the world. Give somebody a firm handshake. Give somebody an authentic, genuine hug. Next time you see Ron, Ron's not here today, Ron Muir. Next time you see him, give him a hug and don't let him go. Let's see what happens. <laughs> Those of you that are laughing know that Ron does not like it when you hold on to him, when you hug him. He just wants something really fast. Okay, let me go. Next time you see him, please, he's not here. Give him a firm, hand, don't, a firm hug. Don't let him go for a while. Let's see what he does. <laughs> he's going he's gonna to know that I put you up to it. So remember that. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The world needs to hear what you have to say. Did you know that? The world needs to hear what you have to say. There are people in your life that I cannot reach. There are people in your life that will never come here to this church. But you, as an open epistle, can make the difference in their lives. Look at verse 6, just the first portion of verse 6. It says, be anxious for nothing. He's talking about worry. Do not worry. Be anxious for nothing. But this one particular section of this verse actually speaks to our faithfulness. Believe it or not. It's the same word in the parable of the sower. Jesus Christ was talking about a sower went out to with sow seeds here and there. Some fell among good ground, stony ground, um, tares, etc. How many remember? <laughs> you hear that? Turn off the Wi-Fi. Okay, there you go. How many, with a show of hands, how many remember the parable of the sower? The one I just referred to. The same word in that passage, the cares of this world. I'm talking about the seed that fell among um, the tares. They sprung up together. But because of the tares or the weed, it choked the life of the good seed, of the good um, stalk that was coming out of the ground. Because that's what happens when you mingle both together. One chokes the life out of the other one. And the word cares here in this one particular passage. Wait for it. It's the same one found. I'm not, I'm not even going to go there because I can't pronounce it. But it's the same word in the parable of the sower that actually refers to choking the life of the word of God from our lives. Think of that. We are encouraged in this, passage, in this passage not to worry. We are encouraged to be faithful to God in that regard. It, just, just, just think, just think, we serve the Almighty God. The Almighty God. Not, not a small God, not a lowercase g. We serve an Almighty God. And just think, He's on our side. How many know that? How many know that? Let me see. Let me see. God is on our side, and God wants to make a difference in our lives. What, what, did, what did He repeat in the Gospels through Jesus Christ repeatedly? I will never leave you, nor I will never leave you, nor forsake you. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have, I have overcome the world. He gives us a peace that the world cannot give. 
And in that sense, we are encouraged in this passage not to worry, not to be anxious. Don't worry about it. I got this. Someone once said, go through the door that God opens up. Right? Go through the door that God opens up. Sometimes in our circumstances, in our daily lives, we look for opportunities. We, we fret, we worry, we become anxious, and we want to make things happen for ourselves. And God, all the while, is saying, wait, be patient. Don't fret. We are not to operate according to our own understanding. And so God encourages us. In this, Paris, in this passage, not to worry. The reason why I, 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 I mention that is because so often in our lives, we do, in fact, worry. In fact, many of us here in this church are filled, perhaps, are filled with anxiety. Because we, we, we like control. And we want to make things happen when we want them to happen. And God is saying to us this morning, don't be anxious. Don't worry about it. I got it. Think about the transitions that we are waiting for to happen in this church. There are some areas in this church that we need to work on in terms of our worship or in terms of our, the, 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 the fact that we're a congregation of believers. Some, some things, some administrative things that, that should be happening and that are going to happen. It's going to happen in time, right? It's going to happen in time. But I'm not going to rush it. I'm going to seize the opportunities that God gives us. Especially when He brings us the resources, the manpower, to actually see those areas through. Look at 6b, the second half of verse 6. It says, But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known Unto God. What is he saying here? It says, In everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. This is talking about how you and I should be handling our affairs. All of life, Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart above all things, for out of it flow the issues of life, right? And so this verse is actually encouraging us to funnel everything or to filter everything in our lives through Jesus Christ. Not some things, but all things we're going to find out in the next verse. Everything concerning your life should be funneled through Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. Everything should be filtered through Him. He puts it this way in this verse. He says, in everything pray." He talks about prayer, and then he uses the word supplication. What in the world does that mean? Constant prayer. He talks about prayer, and then when you're done praying, pray some more. When you're done praying, then you go ahead and pray some more. The emphasis is there. Look at the original language, and you see. It's almost like a double negative. But it's there on purpose by the Holy Spirit, because we are to pray without, we are to pray without ceasing. And then he says, do so with thanksgiving in your heart. With a show of hand, no, don't even, don't even put your hands up. But think about when we go before the Lord in prayer. 
how often we approach the throne of grace with worry in our hearts. And when we're done praying, we are still filled with worry. And we wonder why God is not showing up. Thanksgiving plays a key role in the heart of a believer, especially when you're praying. It settles the matter. It allows us to go before God with our issue, and it allows us to leave our burdens at the foot of the cross, if you will. He's got it. Lord, I'm turning my situation over to you. First Peter 5, 7, I believe it is. Casting all your cares upon Him, for He, for he cares for you. Imagine. But that's one of the most difficult parts of Christianity. To believe in God in that tangible way. To say, you know what, God? It doesn't, water, doesn't matter what I feel or what I'm going through right now. I'm going to turn it over to you. I don't have to see you with my naked eye. Lord, don't even go there. Don't materialize yourself in front of me. I don't have to see you. I don't want to see you. I believe that you are. The author of the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 6, put it this way. He says, without faith, it is impossible to... Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Look up the, look up the original language there. And you will find that God wants us to fully trust and confide in Him. No matter what you're going through. Look at verse 7. It says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, shall guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This, is, this speaks of the result of our faithfulness. The result of our faithfulness. I'm going to read the verse again. It says, And the peace of God. That's a conjunction word. And the peace of God. If you need to get it in context, look at the preceding verse. It says, be anxious for nothing, but by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God. You see how it flows together? And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Be, be patient with me, I lost my place here. Tablet took a dump. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, should guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Have you ever wondered why so many people around us seem to be, well, seem to be is not the right use of words. There are a lot of people in our lives, a lot of believers that are in our lives, that really, really are stable in their walk with Jesus Christ. And some of us may not necessarily be as stable. And we struggle with that concept. How can I get my legs underneath me? How can I live this thing out the way it is prescribed in the Word of God? Why is it that it seems so easy for so many other people, yet so difficult for me? This is, this is significant here. The secret is found in those verses. Be anxious for nothing. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, 
should guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Somebody here this morning is wrestling with instability. I just gave you the key right there. All you have to do is pray. Acknowledge your faith in the Lord. And do so in a very personal way. In a very intimate way. Denounce everything else that's demanding your time, if necessary, to make sure that you are in sync with what thus saith the Lord concerning your life. Filter your life through Jesus Christ. And the peace of God will begin to flow in your life like never before. Listen, I need, I, I, I need that on a daily basis. And I've learned long ago through the process of brokenness in my life. I mean, some, a, a wicked season in my life. An extremely wicked season in my life. When my, my identity was rooted in filth, in nonsense, in depravity. Somebody took the time to talk to me about Jesus. And help me to understand that my identity should be rooted in Him. He says, he, he said to me, Young Buck, if you pray as often as you possibly can, God will work it all out. <clears throat> so, let's move on. I want to give you a couple points concerning Thanksgiving. <clears throat> We're going to visit a couple different passages from the Bible. Point number one, Thanksgiving displaces sin. Thanksgiving displaces sin. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, you can turn to it if you want. Ephesians chapter 5, this is a very important passage. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 3 and 4, it's purposely not on your screen so that you can sift through your Bible. Some of you say, man, I don't appreciate that. I don't appreciate that. Watch out. We're talking about Thanksgiving this morning. Ephesians 5, verses 3 and 4. When you have it, say amen. It says, but sexual immorality and all impurity and covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. Instead, let there be thanksgiving. Now, earlier we talked about the beauty that exists in our lives as a result of the fact that we are rooted in Christ Jesus. The liberty that we enjoy today concerns the forgiveness of sin. I don't know about you, but I'm happy today because my sin is not imputed unto me. There is now therefore no condemnation to them who are in, to them who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Because I am in Christ Jesus, I enjoy freedom today that the world is not acquainted with. And as a result, as a result he, Paul the Apostle in Ephesians 5, he's addressing this sinful issue. These inconsistencies in the lives of the Ephesians. But he concluded the verse by saying that, listen, I know that sin is a reality, but in spite of that, 
if somehow you can get a get a hold of an authentic, genuine gratitude in your heart toward your Creator, God will handle the difficulties in your life. That's what He's talking about. Thanksgiving displaces sin. Point number two, Thanksgiving sanctifies. It sanctifies. It cleanses. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 4. I'm going to give you a moment if you want to look that up. First Timothy chapter 4, verse 4. Thanksgiving sanctifies. Say amen when you have it. It says, when everything, it says, for everything created by God is good and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. Now, this particular passage is clearly talking about food, right? But think of, think again. I'm going to repeat it. Think again of the liberties that we have in Jesus Christ. The fact that we've been justified or declared righteous. The fact that we've been sanctified, that is, Colossians chapter 1, translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. We've been translated. Today we have a freedom today we did not have before we came to Jesus Christ. And as a result of what Jesus did on the cross, I can take my world, my life, my affairs, my relationship before the throne of God. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. I can go before the throne of grace and receive forgiveness, receive a cleansing. In other words, I have a relationship with my God. The world reckons that there are certain things we cannot do, certain things that should be avoided, certain foods that certainly should be avoided. The world thinks along those lines. But in Christ Jesus today, we have a liberty to do, to engage in to eat. Right here in this passage it says, Thanksgiving when we pray over our food. You, how, many, how many pray over your food when you sit down and eat? Amen, amen. The rest of you need to work on that. You need to work on it. When we pray over our food in the name of Jesus Christ, the Bible says, right there in that verse, it sanctifies our meal. It sanctifies our meal. And that is rooted and grounded in our relationship with the Lord. It's a wonderful liberty that we have. Point number three, and this will be the last point. Thanksgiving in all situations or in all circumstances. Regardless of what you are going through today, no matter what you are experiencing today, the Bible encourages us. In fact, it compels us. It sort of places a demand on our life. Give God thanks for everything. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Turn there with me, please. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. First Thessalonians five sixteen through 18. It's toward the end of your Bible. It's between Matthew and Revelation. Yeah, right. Something else that was, right? 
Wow. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Everybody got it? Say amen. It says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in some circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. Why? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. It says give thanks in all circumstances. Not some. But what a difficulty it is for you and I to wrap our hearts and our minds around God when we are going through difficult circumstances in our lives. How difficult it is when we find ourselves dealing with sickness and disease. How difficult is it when we find ourselves dealing with financial troubles? How difficult it is when we find ourselves dealing with a rogue teenager in our lives. With somebody in our lives that thinks they they, they got it all under control, but they're clearly not living for Jesus Christ. Or how difficult it is when we find ourselves living under the same roof with a person who claims to be a Christian, but there's this indifference or this apathy that exists in the lives of the couple. Those are difficult situations. How difficult is it when we're going to the hospice clinic on a regular basis and we have to deal with the possible loss of a loved one? The Bible says, give thanks in all circumstances. The reality is that God is sovereign. And we don't understand always why things happen the way they happen. God's not going to give us a backstage pass so that we can see what he's got going on behind the scenes. God is not going to do that. He's never done that. He's not about to start doing that either. Why? Because faith is required to live out this relationship with Jesus Christ. Faith is required to live it out. Faith is required. What's the classic verse that we can apply to this point? Romans 8, 28. Romans 8, 28, 29, so on and so forth. And we know that all things work together for good to them who are... Amen. And we know that all things work together for good to them who are called according to His purpose. It's incredible. Wait a minute, Lord. You, you, you're saying that this, this illness is somehow going to work your will out in my life? You're saying that this difficulty somehow is going to refine me and make me more like you? What is it Paul the Apostle said at one point? I think it was Paul the Apostle. It could have been somebody else. I'll stand corrected if somebody remembers the passage where he says, Lord, help my unbelief. Lord, help my unbelief. We have these difficult spots, this perspective, or the lack thereof. And somehow, a circumstance, a situation invades our life that somehow knocks the wind out of us. And we find it difficult to get back on our feet. And I know that there are a lot of people here this morning just like this. I'm belaboring this point because that's my last point and I got some time. Amen, somebody. 
I know there's some difficulties represented in the church here today. I, I just know it. Because I've gotten to know some of you. There's some circumstances in our lives that are difficult. I have them. I have them. And one that I don't take for granted is the fact that I'm in California, 2,800 miles removed from my children back east. You think that doesn't hurt? You think that's not difficult? I got to control myself even now because I cry in front of you. It's tough. No, it's not cancer. No, it's not whatever. But I miss my children and my granddaughters. I got five granddaughters. For my oldest son, he's 30. Just turned 30, September 10th. And we have a grandchild on the way. It's tough. And every single day I got to get up. I have to get up. And I have to affirm my faith in a risen Savior that knows exactly what He has in store for me today. He says, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. I will never leave you nor forsake you. The circumstances that God is allowing today for your struggle today are not intended to destroy your life or to take anything from you. Well, no. I retract that. To take sin from our lives, to take the inconsistencies from our lives, to take the weaknesses from our lives. The difficulties we experience today are intended to refine us. How do you refine gold? Anybody? How do we refine gold? We put it through the fire, right? And the goldsmith doesn't stop the process until he sees his reflection on the surface of the mineral. Until then, he burns it repeatedly. Did you know that? Until then, he burns it repeatedly. God has wonderful things in store for you and I as His people. How many know that? Amen. Jeremiah 29, 11. Jeremiah 29, 11. It was intended for the Hebrew people way back then. But there's, there's a wonderful principle in that verse that applies to you and I today. This speaks to our lives. He has a plan in store for us. And thanksgiving. There's nothing like thanksgiving operating in the heart of a child of God that does more for the enhancement of our faith than that, than thanksgiving. A little gratitude today toward God will go a long way to ensure that your tomorrow is what it ought to be from God's perspective. For I know the plans that I have for you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a hope and a future. He has wonderful, wonderful things in store for us. And guess what? He's got a lot of wonderful things in store for us as a church. How many know that? I, I know that you look across... You look across and you see that area and this area and this guy and that girl and a whole lot of things that may not necessarily be where you think they should be. But guess what? God is still on His throne. Amen, somebody? God is still on His throne. There's a lot of things that I would like to change just like that right away. 
but I'm not the one in charge. God is the one in charge. I can't change the human heart. Can you? I can't change the human heart. We're not about to remove people from certain positions just because they, they may not be where you want them to be. Pray for the person with a little gratitude so that change takes place in the heart. And then God, in turn, can be glorified by everything that we do as a congregation. I believe that God wants to take Norwalk by storm. It doesn't mean that we have to go knocking on all the other churches and demand their members. No, the devil is a liar. There's a work in store for this congregation in this community. But God is looking to fix us first. Bow your heads with me. Let's pray. Bow your heads with me, please. And you pray to God. You pray to God. Ask Him, Lord, how, how does this Thanksgiving thing work? I need to know. I need to know. Help me to understand, Lord. I've been ungrateful. Lord, I've been ungrateful. And as a result, I've taken for granted your preciousness. I've taken faith for granted. I've taken my salvation for granted. I've taken my family for granted. I've taken my finances for granted. I've taken a whole lot of things for granted, Lord. But today, Lord God, I want to get it right. Father, today we look to you with thanksgiving in our hearts. We want you to have your way in our hearts, Lord God. We want you to change us as individuals. Father, I need you to flatten out some of these mountains in my life. I need you to flatten out or rather fill some of the valleys in my life and smoothen out some of the rough places in my life. Help me to do it. Through thanksgiving. This gratitude that I should be having toward you in spite of myself. Or in spite of everything else around me. In spite of the difficulties in my life, Lord God. A little gratitude. Help me, Father God, to wrap my heart and mind around this concept. Because according to your word, you would give me a peace that surpasses all understanding. And today, Lord God, I need this peace. Today, Lord God, somebody needs to get a hold of this peace in this church this morning. We love you, Lord, and we thank you so much for today. We thank you so much for this service. I thank you so much for the finances that have been received today, the tithe and the offerings. I thank you so much, Lord God, for all the faces that are here today. For your people, for drawing them out here this morning. And I pray your blessings upon their life as we go our separate ways. These things we pray, Lord God, giving you all the glory and honor in Jesus' name. And God's people say, Amen. And God's people say, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for coming out today. And do remember, we do have Bible studies on Wednesdays. If you can, come out. Please do so. And don't forget, 5 o'clock tonight, if you want to be a part of what's going on in the church, 
um, we will be here. Five o'clock, right? In the sanctuary? All right, cool. God bless you guys.